I want to introduce you to the greatest pastor in all of Belize, Pastor Philippa Herrera Miller. We, and I just want to tell you real quick, we've got kids on their first mission trip as young as nine years old all the way up to, okay, well, I won't say that. Thank you, Pastor Philippa. Thank you. Thank you, Coastline. I want to express a sincere gratitude to Pastor Jason and Pastor Steve and Pastor Nathan for welcoming um, Exodus Church to your church here. Um, what you see here today is an example of your giving, your heart to mi towards mission, your heart towards the world. You know, and as we came in, I saw the sign that says, Love Matters. And I, I was thinking about it because as, as we are here, it's because of love that we are here. And um, all through the Gospels, uh, the, from Matthew, you know, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 that says, Go into the world, preach the good news. And um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he, God will be with us always. And that's our job. As disciples of Christ, first of all, that is our job. And that's what Brother Nathan have invested his life and Miss Barbara in doing. And this church have been so supportive of them. And you yourself that are going. And I just want to say, continue to give. If you cannot go, continue to give. If you can go, go and experience the blessings of God. Because like the Bible say, for God so loved the world that he gave. And I could end that scripture right there from John 3, 16. So loving is, comes with the action of giving. And I just want to bless God for us to be here today. No matter where we are, we are a part of this. For God so loved the world as Belize is a part of this world. Hey, this is, this, is mission, this is Mission Sunday, okay? My name is Nathan, and uh, I was going to introduce my wife. She's gone. She's never here. She's always delivering babies someplace, so uh, everybody thinks I'm single anyway. So, But uh, I want to thank Pastor Jason for allowing me to come up here and share a little bit about what we've been doing with our lives. Uh, these are the kids that we have been pouring into for the last many years, since about 07, and I just want everyone to understand that I taught them every one of these moves that they knew that they did today, right? Forgive me, Lord. Okay. But this is Mission Sunday, so let's go. Let's get to it. We, we got a short time to go and a long way to get there. And uh, I've never been accused of talking too fast, so I'm going to do my best. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says this. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And y'all know the outcome. They immediately left everything that they had, and they followed after him. Now, this is my big question today. How does this stuff really happen? Come on. I mean, what would it take for Jesus to walk in here and ask you to follow him? And you would just get up right now and take off, you know, pack the camels and, and head off to parts unknown. I mean, no interviewing boards to have to go through. I mean, no consultations with your friends and families to see what they would think about you running off to, to do something this crazy. I mean, not even my favorite one. My favorite one is this. I'll pray about it. I'll pray, Jesus, and see if it's your will for me to do your will. None of that. It was like, bang, hypnotism, you know, little circles in the eyes, just following, just go where, just... We're not talking about running down the doubles to get you the best hamburger you ever had. No, it's not like, hey, follow me around the corner. It's like, pack the camels, you know, pack your bags. We're leaving, and we don't know when we're going to come back, but we're going to go save the world. Hallelujah. 
So why is it that missions, uh, uh, why is it that pastors put so much emphasis on missions? What, what, what is the deal here? Because, you know what, I've heard so many people tell me, Nathan, I refuse to board an airplane to fly over my community to reach another community. And I always like to say, you know, hey, that's cool. That's cool, whatever. You know, you got the right to feel however you want to feel, even if it's wrong. <laughs> Jesus didn't say it's us four no more. Is that what he said? No, what did he give us? He gave us the Great Commission. What is it? In, in, in Matthew 28, you all know it very well. Very well. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And where? All nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, that's the part, that's why they say they weren't supposed to get on an airplane. It's lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the age. All right? The last and most important thing that Jesus left his disciples was this. You know, he gathered them around and said, hey, Hey, come here, guys. I want to tell you all something. Come here, Peter. Let me tell you something. While you're out there fishing, if the subject comes up, you might want to mention me. You know, the fact that I've died and for your sins and, you know, you can, you can have salvation and go to heaven. I, I don't want you to look like a fanatic or look stupid or anything like that. But, or if you don't want to say something, just wear one of those nice little T-shirts you're going to have pressed or made up, you know, in 2,000 years from now. You know, it's no Go into all nations preaching the gospel. Preaching every, and this is one of my favorite ones. How, how about the Isaiah? Let's check this out. I'm not going to read this whole thing. This, this, is, this is what I see, though. When I read the Bible, I don't read it like I'm reading a history book. I read it like, I read it like God is writing it to me. I, I take it very personal. I, I, I take it like, I, I, I take it not with a grain of salt, but with great fervor. And in and, and this scripture, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I did the first one, but I run out of time really quick. But, it, but this is what, let's, let's just go down to the next one. God, it, I mean, Isaiah is looking into the heavens. He's seeing the seraphims up there, you know, flying and saying, holy, holy, holy to God. I mean, he's in the presence of Almighty God. And God is saying, who is going to go? Who will go and tell my people, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says this. Here am I. Send me. Oh, my goodness. I want to jump up and scream, here am I, God. Send me. I'll go do it. I've never been good at telling anybody no when they ask me to do something. I'm not going to start with God. So what did he say? He, he said, go and tell them, teach them to obey my commandments. So how do we keep the main thing the main thing? Is, is, my, is my question today. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they all asked Jesus, what is it that you want us to do? And, and he gave us. Uh, Jesus answered Mark 12, chapter, uh, uh, verse 30. He says this, You should love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm like, mm, I want to pull a Stevie Wonder on him. Yes, Lord. It's you and me, Lord. You're loving me. I'm loving you. We're a great big happy family. And things are good. And then he throws this 31 verse in there on us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, you ain't met my neighbor. <laughs> my neighbor don't, he can't even speak English good. And, it, and when he cooks out, it don't smell anything like my good Memphis barbecue. I mean, that stuff stinks he's been cooking over there. How do I, I know what I do, Lord. If I don't have to love my neighbor as myself, I'll start going to church every Sunday. And I'll even throw in a tithe every now and again. 
if I just don't have to love my neighbor as myself. But that's what he's commanded us to do. And, and I had an excerpt that I was going to read from a book that Kathy Mateka gave us, but uh, it's, I just can't do it because of the time. But I'm going to tell you something. When you start loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the Great Commission becomes an easy thing to do, and it becomes an easy thing to love your neighbor as yourself because that's what we're commanded to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? And I want to make an announcement to you this morning real quick. There's nobody in the world that wants you or prays for you as much as missionaries and wants you to be the most, the most successful people in your communities is what you're doing. But they also want you to have a heart to give. They want you to have a heart to seek to save the lost because true charity or generosity, it can't be commanded of you. Pastor Jason can sit up here with a whip every, every Sunday. And, and, and you know what? It's not going to change your heart the least bit. It's a heart condition. It's what is in your heart. Amen? I want to start with point. You know, people ask me. I'm really up here just to talk to you about missions today. I want to encourage you and challenge you uh, in your lives. But I figured that if I didn't throw some points in there, it would be pointless. So I do have some points. Not as many as Pastor Jason, but <laughs> point number one is this. If you make a commitment to serve or to give, your commitment will be tested. It's going to be tested. I, 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 I wish I could tell you it's not, but if you go out there and say, you know what? And Pastor, I, I got to hand it to Pastor John. He has one of the greatest uh, uh, group of people that serve in this church because this is a this is a big church. If you want to keep the wheels in this church going, you got to have a volunteer staff. And Pastor John, he's doing it because of the love that he has for people. All right? But but listen to me. If you go out there and say, Pastor John, I'm going to start working for you tomorrow, and I'm going to start working in the parking lot or doing whatever it takes, beware because your kids are going to get sick that morning. And you're going to, or you're going to get the Johnny Apple quick steps or whatever it's called. And you're going to say, I'll help you in the parking lot, but you've got to have a porta giant out there close by. Because it's going to happen. I'm sorry. I wish it weren't that way. But it is. I, I remember the first time I was ever going to take a job in the church. And I was talking with, a, I was talking with another guy, and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to start driving a bus uh, here in a little bit. I'm going to go get my CDL license and start driving a bus for Sharon Jackson. And uh, I don't got to do it like once a month. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, man, you ought to go get your CDL license and, and do it with us. I'm like, shoot, I can, I can drive a bus. I, I was in the Army, drove all kind of junk out there, man. I, I can drive a school bus. And so uh, we all went and got our CDL license. It was four of them. He said, you only have to do it once a month. I'm like, I'm down with that. So first week, first guy drove. Second week, second guy drove. Third week, my buddy he said, he called me up. He said, Nate, I can't drive this week, man. You cover for me, I'll cover for you next week. Bet it up. Well, I'm, I'm there. So I went and got the bus. I drove. Had the time of my life seeing all these kids getting on this bus. The next week, that joker called me back up and said, Nate, I can't drive, man. I'm still busy again this week. I'm like, dude, I, I am too. I got life too. So I called Sharon. I said, Sharon, what is up, man? You know, I, I, I was going to drive, but, you know, my buddies, well, you know, he was supposed to drive, and she said, I said, can you get somebody else to drive? He said, she goes, Nathan, everybody else done quit. I'm like, what do you mean they didn't quit? This is the first month. They've only driven one time, and one guy didn't even drive the one time. She said, Nathan, everyone of them quit. I said, so what, is, what, is, what does that mean? What are we going to do? She said, well, 
It's what you're going to do. I said, me? How'd I get stuck driving every week now? I hadn't even drove once yet. And that's how it happened. And, I, and that's the honest God truth. That's, and that's, that's the way it goes. So I go to close my, my, I had a muffler and brake shop. I go to close the doors, and it looked like a funeral procession pulling in, you know. Now, I had sat there like the Maytag repairman all day, not doing nothing. And now, all of a sudden, all the people come in when it's time to close. And you know what? Somebody, when you're working for yourself, that's like, ching, ching. That's like money in the bank. See all those cars pulling in. But I thought, I can't, I can't, I, I got to go. I got to close up early today. And the first guy, he's not going to be the spokesperson for the rest of them. And he's giving me a tongue lashing of my life. You open those doors back up and work on my car. I'm like, dude, I, sir, I'm sorry, but well, I, I got to close early today, you know. And he was like, well, I tell, I'll tell you what, I see a three-star muffler down the street wants to close up early or do the work. And I'm like, man, I really want that money. And I said, i tell you what I do. I give you 25% off. I wrote it on a card. I said, you come back tomorrow. I'll take care of you, sir. He said, I don't know if I'll come back or not. I might just go, and, and, and they all got in their car and left. And, but, church, that's what happens. You've got to make a commitment in your heart, and you've got to just say, it doesn't matter what's going to happen because it is going to happen. You don't have to worry about if it is. It's going to happen, I promise you. But you've got to make a commitment in your heart. If you say you're going to do it, you're just going to do it. You just have to. It's like Pastor Jason says, you know, you've got to get up, dress up, and just show up. And that's the way it is. I wish it weren't so. Let me tell you what happened with us. So after we got the call to go on the mission field, and I would like to tell you about the little Martian men that landed in my backyard more than I would like to tell you about how God spoke to me because I'm going to tell you something. It was, I, I, I was just like Isaiah jumping up and down saying, Lord, pick me. I'll go. I'll go. I had a real encounter with God Almighty. But the first thing I had to do was I was 40 years old. I had to go to four years of Bible college, okay? And I knew the first thing I had to do is take English. Now, this is how I talk after I got four years of education, okay? I'd have had to have an interpreter up here for y'all to understand me before I went to school. And I remember the first day of English, and the teacher said, if you don't like the way we teach English here, you will the next time you take it. And she was right. It cost me $750, but I learned the second time I went and took English. That's why I can talk so elegant today. Then I had to do a year and a half of, of interviews with all these, in these board members, you know, with pruned faces, long tables, and quiet rooms, and why do you want to go be a missionary in another country? You know, I was like, oh, man, because I don't want to end up like you. No. <laughs> so after all these interviews, psychological profiles, because they know you're crazy to do this, physical testing similar to that of astronauts to include probing. I don't know why. And then they give you the okay to go. Then you start preaching in churches. You know, some 250, 300 churches from Pennsylvania. They really love me up in Pennsylvania. All y'all from Pennsylvania. Nobody understood it. What I hear? Give him some money and let him go. You know, <laughs> down in my, uh, you know, all through Florida, uh, all the way out to New Mexico, Texas. All, I got along pretty good with the Texans. They understood me. <laughs> then after all of that. You know, you get to go. You get to go. You get to go. And I, and I want to tell you about Belize. Let me tell you about some of the duties about going to the, uh, and the greatest challenge of my life in Belize. We had about 65 churches in Belize, okay? It took me five minutes to get to work this morning. Put my pants on, wipe sleep out of my eyes, boom, I'm here, okay? 
in Belize, it was, I'd have to jump in my four-wheel drive vehicle and head out to the jungles to some place or get on a boat to take me 30 miles out to one of the islands out there to preach or get on a little puddle jumper airplane, just barely get off the ground, you know, and over the trees and take you into some parts into the jungles. Because out of those 65 churches, and listen to this, there's only 300,000 people in the country of Belize. There's seven different spoken languages there. You remember how everybody said, I wonder what happened to the Mayans? They're still there. They speak three different dialects uh, of Mayan. And we have three different churches in Mayan churches in, in Belize. That's because of what you have been given, okay? It's because of your faithfulness. And thank you, and God bless you for that. And I want to tell you something. From the time we got there, Pastor Jason showed up. Because we didn't go to just catch fish. We, want, we went to go fishing and show, no, show people how to fish. Amen? So, Pastor Jason, as soon as I got down there, I mean, this is when he just planted this church, okay? He shows up and he starts doing uh, conferences for uh, youth leaderships. From the time that we got there, he bought me my, my grill. I mean, I, he was like, where's your grill at? And I'm like, I, I can't afford a grill, man. He said, I'm going to go get you a grill. I said, you wait until you see the price of that grill. He said, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to go get you a grill. And we used to think that we gave way too much money. I felt bad for giving uh, uh, so much money just toward food. But he told us, he said, Nathan, you feed those kids. You feed them when they come to your house or, or when you have these block parties. It was, a, it was a great part. You know, you can get them better if they got something in their bellies. Amen? But some of, some of our duties were this, national kids leader, national youth leader for the English and the Spanish. We were uh, the pastor's kids ministers. We were uh, Castile del Rey or King's Castle, which is a spectacle ministry. I got that one good. Uh, we taught Bible courses in the school, in the Bible college. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I taught in the Bible school, you know. I thought, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, what what do they say? Uh, what's that What's that saying? Uh, payback is a, a blessing. <laughs> we preached in churches, baptized in lakes, did Bible studies in our house. My wife cooked more than Rachel Ray and Betty Crocker put together. I was a National Royal Ranger Commander, which was a uh, a, a, a ministry to uh, it's like a uh, boys ministry uh, mentoring program. Uh, fantastic. You know what? Kids are great imitators. You, you ever notice that? You get up there and talk in front of a bunch of kids, and they be imitating you exactly. But you know what? I think it's time we give them something great to imitate. Amen? Uh, from the time that we got there, we started working with, with, with these kids. Uh, somebody said, hey, you want to you wanna work with kids, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. They said, you ought to go to the jungle. I was like, I'm down for that, man. Nine years in the Army. I spent three years in the, in the, in the jungles of Panama. You know, I've been JOTC trained, jungle expert trained in, in warfare. I can, I can go. And they said, wait a minute, Jungle Jim, put your machete away. We're not talking about the real jungle. We're talking about the inner city kids of Belize. And I, and I scratched my head for a minute. I thought, you know what? I'm from Memphis. I got that too. <laughs> so we started working with them from the time, almost from the day that we got there. And after I heard what she prayed over these kids, the first time I ever heard her pray, Barbara and I both looked at each other and said, as long as we have uh, life in our lungs, in our, in our life, we're going to be here. These are some of the greatest kids. And there's no way that you can uh, uh, grasp or appreciate what they have done up here today without seeing where they come from to be able to do this. It's totally incredible. And, and, I, and, I, and I posted something 
uh, I don't post a lot, but I said, you know what, anybody that can help, help me. We're on a shoestring budget. But I lied because we don't even have shoestrings. We got flip-flops. That's our budget. But we wanted to train them. We wanted to, we wanted to do the best thing that we could uh, to get them trained so that they could be able to go and train others. Amen? So if you, if you commit, what's, what's, what's my first point this morning? If you commit to serve, you are going to be tested. If you commit to love, your love is going to be tested. Did you know that? Let me tell you something. It wasn't very long after we had been there. You know, they received us all, right? Hey, you know, we show up and they say, hey, white people, white people. Everybody come running out and look at us. They tried to wipe the white off of us, you know. Rub their hands all through our hair and just want to feel us and stuff like that. But uh, I remember we unloaded all of our equipment up into the church one day on the porch. I was fixing to open it up, and I forgot the key. So I ran home and got it, came back real quick, and everything, the whole mood had changed. I was like, what in the world's going on? What's up? And my wife, she said, Nathan, have all the kids go into the church. I got to talk to you on the porch. That's what we did, porch talks. You know, that was our office, okay, on the porch. So I'm like, baby, what's going on? And she's like, Nathan, do you know when you went through all those tests, if you didn't pass them the first time, you had to take them again? I said, yeah, I know. She said, you're going through a test. I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. I said, what kind of test am I going through? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. What are you talking about? And she showed me her arms. And she had, uh, one boy was about to beat another boy up. And she tried to cover him up, and the boy just beat the tar out of her. Just black and blue up and down her arm. She had this blood thing on her arm that looked like a ping-pong ball. I thought, if this thing pops, she's going to bleed to death in two seconds. You know, I'm like, is your arm broke? She said, I don't know. I think it might be. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, who did it? You know, who did it? Let me at him. She's like, Nathan. Do you understand that if you fail this test, I'm going to have to go through it with you again? <laughs> and I don't want to go through it again. And I'm like, man, that's not fair. She said, no, it's not fair, but I don't want to go through this test. This is your time to pass this test. And God gave me a scripture, and, it, and I can't even show it, show it to you today. I've been looking for it all week. But it says this. It said, would you deny my, would you accept the love and forgiveness that I offer to you and not, and, and not uh, uh, offer forgiveness to somebody else? And I was like, oh, man, that's like hitting below the belt. But you know what I did? Me and this guy, I forgave him. We talked about it for a minute, and we walked into the church, and everybody just, they was just waiting for me to beat the tar out of this boy. They would have enjoyed it. It would have been a good thing for them. But we walked in arm in arm. And you know what? From that day on, we was them. We was a part of them. It wasn't just the white people showing up anymore. We were, part, we were the family because of they saw that we loved them. I mean, they thought I was there for years and years and years, and they thought me and Barbara were just boyfriends and girlfriends. They didn't know you. Y'all really got married? I mean, y'all like, that's all your, yeah, that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Your love will be tested. But last, I want to tell you this. Your trust in your finances will be tested also. And, uh, you know, here again, you know, Pastor Jason, I know he's talked to you about tithing. Uh, I know uh, Pastor Steve. And we just can't command it of you. Don't want to command it of you. It's a, it's a heart condition. And some of you, if you ever do commit, something click in you and you say, I'm going to try this out, I know what's going to happen. Your washing machine going to break the next day. 
the wheel's going to fall off your car just because that's just the way it is. I wish it weren't so, but it is. It will. And, I, and one of the greatest tests that I ever had in my life where God showed me this was I was in, I was in church one day. There's a little girl sitting down here on the corner, and at the end of the church, I was going to give out candy. I had like a 10-pound bag of candy to give out to the kids. And I gave it to the first girl, gave her a big handful. I said, here, pass this. And I got me another handful, and I was fixing to give it to her again. And a girl, she was going like this. And I was like, you got to pass it. Pass it. I'm going to get, you know, everybody's going to get some, but you got to pass it. And she's like, and she's just holding on to it. And, and I kept asking her, kept asking her. Now she's got tears in her eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, forget it. Keep the candy. I get it. You know, I just go around you. And it was like the Spirit of God just stopped me right there. And he said, she needs to understand that she can trust you and me right now. And I'm like, oh, Lord. She's traumatized. And I'm traumatized for traumatizing her. I said, let me just, give, let me just pass her, Lord. And it's like I couldn't even pass her up. And I said, you know what? And I called her by her name. And I'm not going to tell her name. But I said, I promise you, girl, if, if you will pass that candy, I'm going to give you some more. And finally she goes, and she just slammed it in the girl's lap next to her and just folded her arms. And I said, here you go. And I gave her another big handful. She got smiling and happy all over again. And she's like this. And I said, no, you got to pass it. I don't want to pass it. I said, I promise you, I, I gave you some more. And so she finally, after a few minutes, she gave it to the girl, throwed it over to her, and I gave her some more. And church... When we got finished, everybody in that church had got candy. And she thought it was because of her. And I said, it ain't because of you. It's because of me. I gave you that candy. And God said, it ain't because of you. It's because of me. Because I gave you that candy. And I got convicted in my heart for how I had been acting. Because I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I didn't want to give everything up. I didn't want to give it all away. But God said, you are to be a river of blessing, not a dam. And it's like my drill sergeant used to say in, in basic training. He said, you're moving like pond water, and pond water doesn't move. It just sits there and stagnates. Church, God don't want us to stagnate. He don't want our blessings to stagnate in our life. But I found out if you give a little bit, he's going to give you a little bit more. You're going to give a little bit, he's going to give you a little bit more. He ain't going to, he ain't going to let you give everything away and then say, ha! Psych! It's not going to happen like that. He's going to continue to bless your life. But he wants to know what you're going to do with what you have before he gives you something else. You think I'd have kept giving her candy if she wasn't going to pass it? You think I'd just dump the whole 10-pound bag in her lap if she wasn't going to pass anymore? I'd have said, okay, forget you. That'd be the last time you get any candy. But God wouldn't let me do that. It was a test. If we don't pass our test the first time, just like in English class, we get to take them again. And they're not fun. Sometimes you got to pay more to take them the second time. Isn't that right? Bow your head and close your eyes with me just for a minute. I just want, I just want to talk to your heart real quick. I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you have done already. And through this church, through Pastor Jason, he picked us up from the very first time that we went out and started doing anything. And it was because of the giving that y'all had given through this church. And for what you saw up here today, it's because of 
partially, mainly because of what you have been able to give. And I thank you for that. I, I, I praise God for each and every one of you. Some of you are still on that verge of wondering, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do? Do I even have God in my life? And I, and I heard somebody talking this week about sitting in a dark room, in a pitch black room, and cursing it because it's dark. And that's the way our lives are before we come to know God. We, we have darkness in our life. But you know what you can do? You can curse the darkness or do one little thing to change it. You light a candle. And you know what happens when you light that candle, church? Darkness has to flee. Go into a dark room and light a candle and see if I'm not telling you the truth. It has to flee. There's no amount of darkness. You can take all the darkness in the world and put it in one room and light a candle, and it, and it runs. Light attacks the darkness. Darkness can't attack light. If you're sitting in that room and you open the door into a light room, what happens? The light from the other room will attack the darkness, and it has to flee. That's what happens in our lives when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. We live in that darkness. We live in sin. But when we invite Jesus Christ into our life, oh, my goodness, the lights come on. It's a real simple process, and it's a beautiful process. The scary stuff leaves, and the light stuff comes. The love of God enters and floods your soul, and burdens can be lifted. I'm not going to say you're not going to have problems. If you, if you give, your washing machine's still going to break. I wish it wasn't, or your kid's going to get sick. I know that. But you'll have the love of God and the joy of the Lord in your heart. If there's anybody here that would like to experience that and live for God and live an adventurous life today, raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you. If you just say, you know what, I'm committing from this day forward. You know what, I want the love of God in my life. And I want to live each and every one of my days from here on with that love in my life. Raise your hand. Let's pray with you. I want to pray with you right now. Is there anybody here? Okay, we got one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. All of heaven is rejoicing right now because of this hand. All of heaven. And I am too. I am too. Praise God. It's the greatest life you could ever live. I want to thank you, Lord God, for, for this opportunity to come here and to speak to one of these these wonderful people about missions, about your mission. Lord God, you have dispatched us to all of the world to preach the gospel, to teach others, to baptize them. And Lord, I thank you for those that have taken on this commitment, taken on this challenge, Lord God, to spread your word. I praise your name for them. Bless them. Bless this person that's raised their hand today, Lord God. Bless them, bless them. And when they're tested this week, whether it's their love, their commitment, Lord God, Lord, God, give them the courage and the strength to be able to stand up and say, I'm standing. I've made my mind up. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning away. I'm going to live my life with God from this day forward. These things we ask and pray in Christ's name.